Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. 500 years ago today, at the Diet of Worms, a monk called to account a man by the name of Martin Luther gave a famous speech, a bold confession, words that I'm sure at some point in time you have heard, at least in part. Luther said, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures that I have quoted and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I can do no other. Here I stand. God help me. 500 years ago, Luther made that confession. And now here, 500 years later, we make a similar confession. Our consciences are bound by the word of God. Here we stand on God's word. We can do no other. God help us. Amen. Oh, if it were only that simple. Our consciences are often bound, aren't they? We know they are. We come up with an idea, we come up with a conviction, and we are sticking to it no matter what. Our consciences are bound. We're not going to change our mind. I am what I am. We all become Popeye the Sailor Man. I is what I is. My friends, we all have a conscience. It's a gift from God. Our consciences are tainted with the word of God. The Word of God corrupted. The Word of God perverted. Tainted by sin. When we make a stand, when we make a bold confession, when we stand by our convictions, all too often, we're not that interested in what the Word of God says. We've made up our mind and we can do no other. My friends, today God's Word teaches us, teaches us ever so clearly that the Good Shepherd, Jesus, has laid down His life for wayward sheep, wayward sheep like you and me, wayward sheep who love to stray. God says, I, I myself, will go after 
the flock that has wandered away. I myself will seek them and find them and bring them into good pasture. We wander away from the word of God. We stray. We do it all the time. We listen to the voice of maybe Satan himself, but he's very clever. He disguises his voice into the things of this world that lure us in. The things that sound so good. The things that seem so important. Our consciences are bound by our reason. Our consciences are bound by our finances. Our consciences are bound by our politics. Our consciences are bound by science. Our consciences are bound by anything and everything except the Word of God. We've wandered. We've strayed. We'll make the bold confession as long as it doesn't cost us anything. And the thing we are most worried about losing is our pride. To be convinced and convicted and have our consciences bound by the Word of God means that we need to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before the Word of God to think that perhaps it might actually be possible that God has a better word than me. That's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. We make our stand. Our conscience is bound. And we refuse to humble ourselves before the word of God. My friends, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us, each one of us has gone astray in a different way. We know the things that are the most important things in the whole world to us. Generally, they revolve around that unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. We're selfish. We've turned the gifts of God and the gifts of this world into idols. And we are reluctant. Or worse, when it comes to letting the Word of God mold us and shape us, form our conscience and our convictions. My friends, we all like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the good shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, has taken all of our sins for all of the times when we have not trusted in the word of God, for all of the times when we have made false idols out of the gifts of this world, for all of the times when we have thought that we had a better word 
than the word of God. The good shepherd Jesus laid down his life for you, for me, and for the sin of the world. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, three days later, picked up his life again. He who was dead is now alive, never to die again. Our sins are forgiven, and we have been given new life, new life in Jesus Christ. New life that has open ears to the Word of God. New life that, that humbles itself before God's Word and lets God's Word form us and shape us and mold us. God's Word that teaches us how to live as a wandering sheep who has been found and reclaimed by the Good Shepherd Jesus. In our epistle reading for today, Peter writes, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. We don't often talk about Jesus as example because Jesus is our Savior. Jesus bled and died and rose again to take away our sins. But God's Word does teach us that now that we've been forgiven, baptized into the name of Christ, we look to Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, as an example. And here, Peter is teaching us that he is to be our example in suffering. In this world, we suffer. How do we suffer? Well, we suffer when the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh attack us and attack us and attack us. We suffer when others look at us as Christians and mock us and ridicule us and tear us down. We have such a poor understanding of true suffering. We think that if we don't get 50 likes on a tweet or if somebody unfriends us on Facebook, ho ho, we're suffering. My friends, my friends, there are many in this world that are truly suffering for making the good confession. They worship in secret. They are under constant attack that people will rush in and not only end their worship, but perhaps even end their life. That was the situation at the Diet of Worms. Succumb to peer pressure? Do what everybody wanted you to do? Or make the good confession? There is only one Savior from sin, Jesus. We are justified by grace through faith on account of Jesus, not by the works of the law. Our authority is not in man or reason or anything else except the Word of God. Pure and simple. 
Make that confession today and you will suffer. Probably not with your life, but you will suffer. God guarantees it. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome this world. Peter goes on to say, He, Jesus, committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So what example should we follow? Don't lie. No deceit was in Jesus' mouth. A Christian should speak the truth. Verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. We don't use that word revile much, do we? Yeah, when somebody says something bad or negative to you, we don't respond in kind. This is the example that Jesus would have us follow. How quick we are to lash out. How quick we are to put the worst construction rather than the best construction on everything. How often we tear down instead of build up. Or tear down instead of just keeping our mouth shut. And when we do, the suffering intensifies. When he, Jesus, suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. My friends, it takes a strong faith to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. Who is the only one who judges justly? God. God who knows all things. Who knows every thought, every word, every desire, every action, every whisper. Can we truly cling and trust to the justice of God? My friends, God's word binds our conscience to the fact that we are poor, miserable sinners and cannot save ourselves. But God, in his love and mercy, his steadfast love, as we've heard many times in our service today, sent the good shepherd Jesus. Why? To forgive our sin. To bring us back into the fold. To feed us on green pastures, the green pastures of his word. My friends, God has already judged you justly. On a Friday, we call good. When all of God's wrath and punishment for sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, was laid on Jesus, the good shepherd. By his stripes, you are healed. You are free. You can believe the word of God. You can trust the just judgment of God that paid for your sins on Calvary's cross. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the great absolution for you. That's why that shouting and cheering and greeting that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed is a bold proclamation of the forgiveness of sins.
earned by Jesus Christ. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Dying to live. Dying to live, that's the life of a Christian. We die to our sin. We die to our passions. We die to our lusts. We die to our false confessions and false convictions. We die in the waters of holy baptism. And God raises us up. New creatures, ready to live and love, ready to make the good confession in season and out. And when we fail, as we often do on this side of heaven, the good shepherd is there to pick us up, to forgive us once again, to guide us to the still waters and green pastures, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. He feeds us with himself. And we know that our sins are forgiven. In the small called articles, one of the Lutheran confessions, Luther defines the church this way. Holy sheep who hear the voice of their good shepherd. My friends, that's you. Your holy sheep, made holy by the blood of Jesus. And we freely and willingly and joyfully listen to his voice. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our conscience and confession. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.